Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Glad to see y'all here. Has it started to snow yet? No? We're good. Let's all stand. We'll start worshiping. We just prayed for you guys. Prayed you'd get here safely. We pray that you'd be able to just kind of check things off at the door so you could come in here and enjoy Jesus this morning. So we're going to start by worshiping him. Here we go. the world, but it couldn't fill me, a man's empty place, and treasures that fade, are never enough, then you came along, and put me back together. Nothing. 
awesome. Could you turn to someone around you that you haven't seen for a while? Say, we're glad you're here. Into the battle. 
first one in this room. We're grateful for that, Lord Jesus. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit here, Lord. You are welcome in this place. Lord, help us just to just calm our spirits down. And let us get into a place where we can really receive you. We can let you do that work. Weed our hearts. Get rid of that stuff that needs to be out of there. Start changing us, Lord. Some of us have some of those, those dry bones in us, Lord, that we need you to bring back to life. And Lord, start with me. Because we want it to be nice and green in there and full of you. So Lord, we invite you here. We want your presence to just surround us like a warm blanket. We want you to take this place over. We want you to just bring a new spring of your living water in here. We love you, Father. 
We're just setting this time aside to just enjoy you, to worship you, to bring you ourselves, and bring all the things we need to lay at your feet. So, Lord, we give you this morning. We thank you for loving us the way that you do. We love you back in Jesus' name. All things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant
You're the mighty, mighty God. So anything that you're dealing with, he's got it. He's got it. So good. And he loves you a lot. Somebody needs to know that today. Can you just turn to somebody and say, Jesus loves you? Just tell them.
Pastor Matt, as he gets ready to bring us your word, Lord, and let us just receive you and leave changed. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. morning, everybody. All right, we got some new people here, just so you know, I'm not Pastor Matt, right? So my name's Eric Disman. I'm the administrative minister here. Um, so I do see some, some new faces, and first off, I'd just like to welcome you here. Uh, it's really great, wonderful to see you today. Amen. Speaking of, if you haven't received one of these, and if you are new, you can just raise your hands right now, and uh, we'll have somebody bring you a bag if you don't have one already. But it just has some information about who we are as Woodland Life Church. If you haven't heard it today, I'm going to say something you should hear every single day. And it's not coming from me. It's, uh, it's something that God is saying to you and all that he does for you. You guys know what, that, what I'm about to say? I love you, right? We all need to hear that every day. There's somebody next to you that needs to hear it. There might be somebody that you absolutely disagree with. But guess what? We should still love them, right? We, uh, that's what we're called here to do. It's the two greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord our God and love our neighbor. He gives us some other great commandments and some, some wisdom, and 
So I'd like to read to you Psalm 68, verse 5. He's talking about God, right? He says, He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Then we look at James. And it's uh, James 1, 27. He says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Those are wonderful words, right? That's what we're called to do. There's an organization down in the Springs, Colorado Springs, they're called Hope and Home. I'd like to read you their mission statement. As a non-denominational Christian charity, Hope and Home trains and actively supports foster families all across the front range who feel compelled by Christ's command to take care of the least of these, the children. See, abused and neglected children who've been removed from their birth homes get a stable and nurturing family to live with until it's safe to go home again, or when that safety isn't possible, a family to give them a forever home through adoption. By mere chance, uh, a couple of their members came to our church and they, they heard a sermon, and they were really moved. And so then they came back again and they heard another sermon. They're getting ready to open up here in Teller County. And after that, they had felt that this was the place they should be. So they asked if we would uh, give them space once a month to come in here. And what they're going to do is they're going to provide counseling and mentorship and some other um, services to, to foster families. So it's a, it's a blessing. That's a win, church, right? It's wonderful. You know, we're fulfilling what God's called us to do. Um, and so it's nice to see that, that recognition and, and be able to do that for those that, that need help. We also still have the care portal. If, if you remember, we spoke about that a little while back. It's on our front page of our website. The care portal is an opportunity to help foster families, foster children, those in need. Um, so many good things happen through the care portal. So if you haven't had the opportunity, highly recommend taking a look at it. It's a, just a great thing that, that is done for the Lord. They're community covered. Uh, it seems like every week now that box out front is getting filled up with food and, and other things, and so we go and we take the community covered. They're really appreciative. You know, that, that food is a blessing to somebody that really needs it. It's a gift. Uh, clothes, we have people dropping off clothes, and so we're taking that to Choices. And if you don't know who Choices is, they're an organization that gives the word of the Lord to those who are questioning who have doubts about uh, becoming a parent, one of the most blessed gifts that you could have. So Choices is a great organization, you know, and, and it's wonderful that uh, we can support that and what they do. So thank you for that. There's a lot of good things happening here. You know, on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. right here, we have a prayer service. So we have staff here and some board members and, and uh, other people from the church. You're welcome to come on in on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and just pray. It's what we do. It's guided prayer, a prayer for our church, for our community, for our leaders, for making a difference in the world. So everyone here is welcome on Wednesday night at 6.30. Good Friday's coming up. So that's going to be on uh, April 12th. Uh, I have 6.30 written here. And then we have two Easter services. So we decided to break that up to give everybody a chance to come in and, and worship the Lord on that day. So we're going to have a service at uh, 9 o'clock and at 10.30 a.m. So just plan on being at one of those. We do still need help, though. We need help with uh, some candy for the Easter eggs, um, a few other things. So there's some sign-up rosters out front after service. You know, you're welcome to go out there, take a look, and, and see what we need. And just, just help out and have some fun with it.
So I think we have a video for you. Introducing Super Bunny. Hello, WLC kids. It's Super Bunny here. I am superly excited to tell you about our Easter egg hunt that's coming up on Saturday, April 3rd at 10 a.m. Everything is going to be outside, so you'll want to make sure and dress whatever kind of weather Colorado's going to be giving us that day. Also, for you amazing super volunteers out there, we have some sign-up sheets out in the lobby where you can help out that day. You can give candy and or prizes for the kids to be able to get. So, WLC kids, it's time to get superly prepared for an amazing Easter egg hunt. So make sure and warm up because we're going to get together on April 3rd at 10 a.m. It's pretty awesome, huh? If I can get the ushers to come up, please. All right, so the way we do tithe here, just for you, those of you that aren't familiar, the ushers will hold on to the plate and they'll walk through and so just, just put it in there, which is keep it COVID friendly. But uh, we just bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to say thanks to you through our tithes and offerings, to give back to you for all the blessings that you give us so that these may be used to continue your kingdom, to grow your kingdom, to serve in the way that you have called us to serve, Father. We love you, and we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you, Woodland Life Church. I'm glad you are here, and uh, it's just great to be together, isn't it? Um, and some of these days, it's just like, man, we need more togetherness. The kids keep coming. Are you guys making rounds? That's great. <laughs> Go back, get some more for mom and dad. Um, <laughs> that's great. Well... Thank you. Thank you this morning. Also, I want to thank those of you who are joining us online, usually on any given Sunday, that we are having 50 to 80 people show up online. So can we just make them feel welcome, the ones that are online? Thank you for being with us today. Uh, well, today, um, I'm going to start uh, with a word of prayer, but I want you to open your Bibles as we get prepared um, to John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, today as we are journeying with Jesus, we are going to be, sorry about that, <laughs> today we are going to be journeying with Jesus, but we are, the way that we are doing that is going to be following him to a tomb. It's not the only tomb that we will follow Jesus to through this season. But this one is uh, through Lazarus. So you can open your Bibles to John chapter 11, and we'll be prepared there. And as we do that, um, we, will, uh, we will pray to prepare our hearts. Lord, today we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, God, that you are here in our midst, and we just want to say um, we, we welcome you. We, we welcome you, and we welcome your presence right now to speak to us, to our heart, through your word. And we pray, Lord God, 
that you will just not leave us uh, in a way that would not allow us to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be convicted. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do things in the lives of folks here today that we just weren't any of us expecting, including me, maybe most, most uh, who needs it most. And I pray, God, that uh, for those this morning who may have walked in and just had a rough week, things just didn't go the way that they were planning, Lord, I pray that you will help us to identify there's Lazarus that's in our life. And I pray, God, that you will help us to open it at that tomb and that dead thing to you, God. Because, God, we want to know life in you. Give me wisdom. Help me to preach this better than I could do in myself. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask, and I'm going to start this morning by asking you, what is the Lazarus in your life? What is the Lazarus in your life? Mine is a really bad audio system. And uh, (laughs) we'll get past it, though. (laughs) What is the Lazarus in your life? Where have you buried your belief in God? You may claim Jesus but maybe you've been holding on to a question. And the question may be this, Jesus, why didn't you show up in my life when? You fill in the blanks. Why didn't you show up, God, when this was happening? What is your Lazarus, church? We begin in John chapter 11. We'll start at verse 1. And it says there that now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, and I don't know about in your Bibles, but in my Bible there's parentheses here. But it says this Mary, uh, he's kind of given us some insight here, whose brother Lazarus now was, lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Everything up to this point makes sense, right? I mean, everything makes sense. This is, we've read stories like this over and over and over in the Gospels where Jesus shows up or he's, he's coming or he's on his way. There's something happened. Someone's praying, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, I need you over here. I have this infirmity. I have this sickness. I'm hurting. These things are happening. I mean, would you go over and talk to my brother or go talk to my sister or, or my son or my daughter? They need a touch from you. And Jesus shows up and guess what? It happens. It's amazing. We read this over, and this all makes sense through verse 5. And, and it almost just feels like warm fuzzies when you read those words, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
And I want you to know this morning, before we go any further, I want you to just have this settled in your mind, regardless of what you've been going through, regardless of what may have been following you in to this building today, Jesus loves you. I mean, there's just no, just just settle that in your heart. And, And I know that it can be sometimes hard because I've had folks even this week say, if Jesus loves me, then why? Have you been there? Yeah. Everything, everything feels good. Because when I read this verse five, I think, well, Jesus loves me and he loves you too. But then in verse six, things just go sideways. I mean, I mean you, you have to almost read it twice. You're kind of wondering, is this really what is being stated here? Because in verse six, after it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, it says in verse six, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. what do you do with that? (laughs) He stayed. He loved them. It says in verse 5, he loved them, so he did not come when they asked him to. What? It's one of those moments where you're just kind of left scratching your head. I mean, what is, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? He loves him, it says, but he didn't show, he just waits there. It doesn't say that he was busy doing anything. It didn't say, you know what, he had some things he had to clean up at the temple. It didn't say that there were so many people that needed to be healed that he couldn't make it. It just says he stayed for two more days. Hmm. I, I, as I'm reading this and, thinking about what God is doing in the midst of this, I, I think to myself, and after I read through verse 6, well, I know that our God is a God who loves to be trusted. Our God is a God who loves to be trusted. Have you been there? Where all you have is just you're holding on by the fingernails of your trust. We define love as comfort. I mean, <laughs> I don't go to my, you know, with my family. I say, well, you know what? Uh, the reason why I'm never around for you guys is because uh, I love you, right? That, that doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. But there are times when, like, I can't be there right now. And my girls, I know they still know I love them. We define love as comfort, though. Will you take care of me? But I remind you that God is more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. Amen? That's a hard one to swallow. I know. You see, while we define love as comfort, God defines love as trust. Could you imagine, I mean, imagine, what, what is the hardest job you've ever done in your life? 
What's the hardest job? Just get that mental picture in your mind. Maybe you're at the hardest job of your life right now. I don't know. But whatever it is, make that mental picture right now. But I want to ask you, as hard as you think that job is right now that you have in your mind, could you imagine having to give a a press conference for Jesus? (laughs) Think about that. I I mean, here's... here's, Why was it... You hear from the, the group. Why was it that uh, Jesus loved them uh, when, when, when they cooked for him, but he didn't show up when Lazarus was sick? Can you answer that? Could you imagine being the, the one taking care of that press conference? Why was it that he received their hospitality when, when he was hungry or when he needed a place to just rest, but, but when he knew he only had two days uh, to be there, he, he stayed away two extra days because he loved them. Can you explain that to us? The reason Jesus did not go to Lazarus is because he loved them. I'm left scratching my head. What we are learning here is that the difference between God's job and our job. God's job is the outcome. Oh, and he does a good job with the outcome. God's job is the outcome, but your job is to trust and obey through the process. How are we doing with that? Listen, this means that if you think, and some of us do, sometimes I've fallen into this trap, if you think that you can control the outcomes of your life, you are going to be frustrated continually in your journey of faith. Because I'm going to tell you, there is someone who is in control of this world, and it's not you. And it's not me. (laughs) Some churches teach that faith is a way to control outcomes. They act like, you know, man, if you just have enough faith, it will be like a leash. You can put it around God's neck, and you can make him go where you want him to go, and he will do whatever you ask that he tells you to do. It's like a leash on a dog. You can just have, if you just had enough faith. If you do it this way, this many times, What's the Lazarus in your life, church? Hmm. Your Lazarus is the thing in your life that has caused you to question your faith. We've all been there, every one of us. If you grew up thinking that faith was a way to manipulate God, you're in for a rude awakening because if you don't have a Lazarus in your life yet, I guarantee you, you will. And when that time comes, you must realize that faith is not a way to manipulate God. Faith actually develops me. It doesn't develop him. It develops myself. And I begin to develop patience and trust in the midst of the mystery. If you don't believe it, read all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Because I'm telling you, over and over and over, you read stories of men and women who had to choose, am I going to trust even when I don't understand? Ah, Everybody has experienced a situation where you felt like, if God really loved me, he would have done X, Y, and Z, right? 
if God really cared, why is he letting this happen? The love of God, we need to be reminded, is not proven by how we feel his presence. The love of God is proven by how we praise him, even when we don't feel him, even when we don't see his hand. The love of God is proven by people who still say, I have faith that God is does the impossible and he can do all things. The love of God is proven by people who continue to have faith in the midst of the storm. The love of God is not proven when I thank him for my blessings. Oh, thank you, God. You gave me everything I ever wanted. The love of God is proven when I praise him because he is God even when life doesn't make sense. He is God even when I don't feel him. He is God even when I don't understand what he is doing. He is still God eternal. He still sits on the throne of heaven and he still has the outcome well in hand. Can we praise God by faith today even when things don't make sense? Can we do that? I don't know. I don't see that. I'm looking for Mike and... Mary, are they here? I don't see Mike and Mary right now. They're probably with us online. I talked with Mary last night and then Mike the night before. Mary was at the emergency room Friday night. As I talked to Mike, I, he was sharing with me what was going on and why. And, and uh, she was admitted to the, uh, into the hospital after being in the ER because they had done tests and things were just not working well for, for Mary. She's, she's trying to walk and he said she just kind of wobbles one way and then the other way she almost falls down. And they did tests on her and, and they did that on Friday night at the ER and they said, you're doing perfect. Everything came back perfectly. She went to stand up and to leave and we could tell by the way she's walking, things were not perfect. So the nurse grabs her by the arm and they walk down the hallway and then they walk back. And he said to the doctor, gave him kind of a, a preliminary report and the doctor says, we're going to keep you tonight and we're going to do some MRIs tomorrow. We're going to do some more tests and they did. So yesterday they had tests for Mary and they went through all of the things that they could think of. And again, you're doing great. Picture of perfect health. She stands up, uh-uh. Something isn't right here. And Mike's telling me on the phone, he says, I'm tired of, you know, of, of, you know we, we're just kind of going back and forth, and I want to get to the bottom of this. We need to figure out what is wrong here. And, and they, they, they left, and even though the hospital says everything's okay, it's obvious not everything is okay. Sometimes some of us have been there. You know, we, How are you doing today, Scott? Oh, I'm Okay but I see him wobbling a little, you know. <laughs> Have you been there? How are you doing? How are you doing today, Cliff? Oh, I'm fine. Mm. 
here's the thing. Is it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, everything's okay, everything's fine. But I'm going to tell you something. We all have had a Lazarus. Maybe we have a Lazarus in our life right now where things aren't quite the way that they might seem on the surface. And when we get up and we begin to walk, sometimes our faith may seem to wobble and things may seem to be moving back and forth. But here's the thing I'm going to tell you right now. When I spoke to Mary last night, she is still praising God even in the midst of the waiting for whatever is going to happen next. Yes. Thank God. Because we can't even have that kind of faith if we, if we don't get it from the Lord himself. We've been there. Jesus. We've called on Jesus. I mean, he's only, he's not far away. Jesus, I feel alone. Jesus, why didn't you show up when I was being abused? Jesus, why weren't you there? When my mom and dad said, we're not going to to raise this child. Jesus, I'm depressed. Jesus, I I need you to do in my loved ones what I can't do. Jesus, I feel like I can't breathe. Jesus, I need a job. Jesus, I need direction. I'm going to tell you that this week I've heard every one of these statements from someone in our community. We've all been there. And when Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, the messenger came back. Here's the thing as we're reading the story, it's obvious that he came back alone because Jesus didn't come back with him. There was, he didn't show up when he could have. And it says in, in verse 6, because he loved them. What do you do with that? There's a situation that's been in my family's life for over 15 years. It's a situation where we've been praying for Jesus' intervention. And, and we know that Jesus is there. We know he's walking with us. We know Jesus is in control. But here's the thing. At times, I mean, here it's been over 15 years, and we just feel like he hasn't shown up. You know, we, we, what's, what's happening here? I was asked by one of our family members, and it was one of the toughest things because we're all were grieving as this began. And, 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 and this family member asked me, she looked me right in the eyes and she said to me, because she's like, you're a pastor. You should know this. If God loves us, why would he allow this to happen? Have you been there? Oh. And, and I don't know. Probably some of you who are you know, honor students in Christianity would know but I don't. I don't always have all the answers. And I looked at her and I said, the truth, I I don't know why. And the only thing I knew to say to her in that moment, and it felt hollow, it it almost felt trite, but I said, I just know that God loves us in the midst of this. That's all I knew. But if you love us, Jesus, 
Oh, we, you see, she was saying the same thing to me that Mary and Martha were saying at the, in this scripture. If you love us, Jesus, why didn't you show us up? Why didn't you show up? I've heard presence is a sign of leadership. Maybe you've heard of that too. Presence is a sign of leadership. Isn't Jesus a leader? And if so, where, where is he? But before we go too far and we get much further, in verse 4, you can read there. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Huh. This sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory. And I think as I'm reading that, after I've already processed so much, well, whoop de do, Huh? That's what I think Mary and Martha must have thought because as good as that verse sounds, it's not changing the fact that Lazarus, my brother, is right now laying on his deathbed and Jesus is only a day's walk away. But we have something here that Mary and Martha and Lazarus at the time didn't have. We have this thing called hindsight. It's a good thing. And in God's hindsight, as we are reading this through John's eyes, because, see, he's, he already knows what's going to happen. He already sees the bigger picture because this is being written after it had happened. But, but sometimes when we're in the midst of it, we don't understand why Jesus did the things he did until we look back in hindsight. I can look back in my life sometimes and I can think, oh, man, I really, actually, I, I really dodged a bullet there, you know. I think back to some of the girls I dated and I, think that quite often you know <laughs> at the time when we broke up oh it hurt John gives us a snapshot of the future and it's there in that verse 2 of chapter 11 and it, like I said in my Bible it's in parentheses and I don't know maybe in yours it is or is not but he gives us a snapshot of the future because he doesn't want us to put a period where God wants to put a parenthesis. You see, if you read there in, in, in verse 2 of this chapter, it says that this is the Mary whose brother Lazarus is now sick. This is the Mary who was the same one who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. But here's the interesting thing, is that hadn't happened yet. Actually, that happens in chapter 12. You can look it up later if you want to. You oh, Turn the page. It's in chapter 12. So why did John put that there? Why did, he, why did he put it here when it hadn't even happened? I think he's wanting to give us a glimpse of the worship that's going to take place even in the midst of the time when you're going through the worst possible situation. And sometimes I think maybe Jesus, uh, he, he wants us to get a snapshot of the next chapter. And I want to give you a snapshot right now that no matter where you are and what you're going through, that in the next chapter, there will be a day when you will be worshiping God. And you might say, I don't ever see that happening on this side of heaven. Well, that's fine, because in heaven, guess what? There is a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are going to, I want you to capture a snapshot that there is a day coming where you are going to be worshiping God in full surrender. Even though right now you may not sense it. 
I don't want you to put a period where God is trying to put a parenthesis. I've been guilty of that. Maybe Jesus is showing up late so you will be able to see him in a way you have never seen him before. Some of you right now are in chapter 11. But I want you to see yourself worshiping and praising God in the next chapter of your life. Because one day, no matter what, that day is coming. We continue to read and, 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 and we have this interesting you know, kind of discussion that happens between Jesus and his disciples. And, and Jesus remind him, you know, they said, you know, after Jesus says in verse 7, uh, let us go back to Judea. It's been two days. Okay, now it's time for us to go. Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and, and you, were going, you, were, you were going back there? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And, and after that, he said you know, to them, and basically, I just want to get you to give you a picture right here, right there in that statement. But he's saying, you know, what's the big deal? You know. We're going to go in the daylight. You're with the light of the world. You're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. He's giving this understanding there. But, but it goes on to this interesting discussion in verse 11. He's, after he said this, he went on to tell him, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples, they're literalists when they read the Bible. You know, they, they were very, very literal. Some of us can do that sometimes as well. And they said, Lord, um, just so you know, if he's sleeping, he will get better. That's what sick people do. They sleep. You're saying he's sleeping. He will get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, John shares, and his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need God to just tell me plainly. Just give it to me straight, Lord. I need this plainly. Lazarus is dead. Can't get much plainer than that. <laughs> and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Again, another one of those moments where you just want to scratch your head so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And so... They completely still didn't understand, and I love Thomas. I think I hear him just saying this. You know, Thomas, who's just kind of, uh, he's one of the disciples that he's always kind of overthinking things, and, and, and he already had said, you know what, if we go back there, the same Jews that were trying to stone you and kill you there are going to still be there. And so, you know, Thomas, everything just went completely over his head, probably just like it did with all the other disciples, and he said, okay, let us go also that we may die with him. <laughs> Isn't that an optimistic view? You know people like that? Well, I'm with Jesus. I'll just die in the go with Jesus. <laughs> oh, on this arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in a tomb for four days. You may think, well, that's... Why did they even say 
Why does he even care how long? He's in the tomb. He's dead. Even Jesus said himself, Lazarus is dead. What does it matter if he's been in there one day or if it's been in there four days? Well, something that you may not understand is this is being written to a Jewish audience. Was that there was this Jewish superstition that was happening in those days, particularly in the first century, where the Jews believed that a spirit did not completely part from the body for three days. It didn't completely, there was a chance that, you know, if someone could come back for three days. And so what we're reading here, when you're looking at this through a Jewish perspective, you would realize that, you know what, even the Jews were understanding this guy is gone. And he's not coming back. And Jesus waited until after their time period expired. Sometimes he does that. You, you may set a time, oh, God, you better show up by May 1st, and if you don't, have you been there? I need an answer, God, and it's got to happen by this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that statement. While we make plans, God just laughs. Hmm. Jesus waited until after their time period expired to reveal his glory. And I wonder if God is waiting past the point of your expectation so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lazarus that's in your life has been raised by God because only God could do it because it was already dead and gone. There's no way you could even see him resurrected in your life. But he has done it and he alone will receive the glory. Oh. Lord, in verse 21, let's skip down to verse 21. Uh, Lord, this is, you know, here comes Jesus. He's in, back in Bethany. And, and, and just get the picture in your mind. Get this picture. I mean, here you have a grieving sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha, she goes out when she hears that Jesus is coming. And she meets him, you know, she meets him outside. Before he even gets to the house, she's out there. But what I love about that verse that's revealed to us is the first thing that she says when Jesus is coming. She meets him out beyond the home, but the first word that she says in verse 21 is this, Lord, Lord. Something inside of her still believes. She still calls Jesus Lord, If you, though, she goes on to say, had been here. If you had been here, why is it, Jesus, that you come when I'm cooking, but you don't come when I'm crying? If you had been here, Jesus, some of us are thinking, I don't really like that. I don't like that the pastor just said that. I don't know, you don't have to like it. Martha said it. If you'd have just been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd just been here, I, Martha meets Jesus outside, but here's the thing, she still believes. And guess what? If you read every other passage where Martha and Mary are meeting Jesus, you always, it always starts with Jesus coming in the house. Do you capture that? But now, Martha's like, you ain't coming in my house. I'll meet you right here. Welcome back to Bethany, Jesus. Because I don't understand, though. Here's the deal. You were supposed to be here before Lazarus died. She didn't even let him in the house. (laughs) 
just want you to know that God can handle your hurts and your frustrations. And when you're upset, he can handle that. She recognized, Lord, but I don't understand. You didn't do what I wanted you to do, Jesus, but it doesn't change my understanding of who you are. I love that about Martha. Don't change your mind about who Jesus is when he stays two days longer than you think he should have. Do you hear me? Even in the mystery, Jesus is still Lord. He is still Messiah. Even in the mystery, he is still deliverer, provider, the beginning and the end. But she wasn't happy. She was frustrated. And Jesus already knew that. He already saw her heart. I love her honesty here. If you would have been there, you know, she, you would have done the same thing. She was offering an honest assessment of what she expected. So I tell you, be honest with Jesus. The best prayers are honest prayers. The best prayers are honest prayers. If you would have stopped the abuse, the pain, the failure, this is how I feel, Lord. But Jesus is showing Martha, and Jesus is showing us that the truth is this. Don't confuse my love with conformity to your agenda. Well, that's tough stuff. Whose story is this? But there is coming a shift in Martha right now. We're going to read about it. And it is something inside of her where this presence of Jesus, something is rising up inside of her. There's a spark that's coming to life inside of her. And, and, and it's in verse 22. And when she says this after, she says, Jesus, if you would have just been here, and Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But in verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And I want to tell you today, right now, you, some of you are here in this place need to hold on to those words even now because I want you to know that even now in your situation God is still powerful enough to move do you hear me oh, man even now maybe we just need to say those words just in our hearts and our minds together even now as Martha said even now my finances aren't stable but you know what you are still Lord. Even now when my child is on this prodigal journey, you are still God of the impossible. Even now when my health is not what I wish it were, I, you are still Lord of all. Even now when friends have abandoned me, even now you are still Lord and I choose to worship you in trust. If you're looking at the circumstances of your life, as the proof of God's love, then I want to tell you that you are looking in all the wrong places. Jesus is saying, take me to the place where something died. And he does, and we read in this story after this. Yeah. We read that Jesus says, verse 23 your brother will rise again and Martha answered I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day but Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life 
He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I believe those words are for you and me today. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life no matter what you're going through? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and guess what? Martha answered just like you did. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the, the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back inside. She called her, mister, or, her sister, excuse me, Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha Martha had met him. And I just want to, I, I don't think that was there by accident because I want you to know that isn't, you know, Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to come in any farther than you let him. He'll let me stand at the door and knock and knock and knock. And so when the next step comes, we start to see how Mary and Martha begin to open their hearts once again and say, Jesus, come on in. Not only do we say we believe in you, but we are going to put our words into action because we truly do believe in you. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he's still at that place. And in verse, oh, man, my eyes are starting to give out on me. I think it's 31. I had to buy these this week. I prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, don't let me have to get those glasses. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. But when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, again, if you'd only been here. And that scenario goes on. And then when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And I want you to read these words and be very careful to read these words clearly with me. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I mean, he showed empathy. He, sh he, he wasn't just coming through and, you know, sh you know just pointing and, and, and taking names. He stopped and he loved right where she was. Sometimes the best thing we can do for our brothers and sisters in the midst of the hurt is just to sit there with them, listen, and weep too. Oh. Jesus, he wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And, and, and here's the part where we're going to get just kind of a glimpse of what's coming in a couple of Sundays. They go to the tomb. They go to the tomb, and when they get there, it says in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And capture what Jesus says here. He says, take away the stone. Doesn't that seem odd to you? It should. He's about to raise the dead, and he can't even move a stone. Think about that. 
Of course he can move this stone. Of course he can. But here's what he's saying to Mary and Martha and to those who are around them. He's saying sometimes, just like James reminded us, sometimes you need to put your faith into action. And whatever your Lazarus is, maybe you've just sealed it up in that tomb. Nothing's coming in and nothing's going out. And you're feeling right now, Jesus saying to you, you need to move that stone aside. I don't know, what's, I, I don't, I don't know what your Lazarus is, but you've got to let Jesus in. You've got to take an active part in this. And here is the beautiful thing. Jesus reminds them in verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have always heard me. I knew this before, excuse me, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a, Lazar, in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And what Jesus is reminding us of here is there is a day coming soon where he is going to go in and he is going to come out. But here's the reason why. It's not just to show up and show off. It's this. It's to show you that there are those Lazaruses in your life. Jesus can make them, bring them back from the dead. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure where you are at. But I want you to know that maybe right now you need to take Jesus to the place where something died in you emotionally. Take me to where your Lazarus is, maybe Jesus is saying today. Take me to the place where you once believed I would have shown up and it didn't happen. Take me to the place where you stopped being optimistic and started being a pessimist and critical about everything. Take me to the place where you began to just manage an addiction instead of taking care of it. Take me there. And I promise you that if you take Jesus to that place, that he will go there with you and he will weep with you. You see, before Jesus demonstrated his authority, he demonstrated his empathy. I love our Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am with you in the waiting. I am with you in the hurting. You fill in the blanks. I was with you. The young girl, and this is a true story, was going through a foster situation because her mom and dad were alcoholics and they were drunk and they were fighting all the time. And she found herself in a situation where she just didn't know what she was going to do. Just this young kid. They even wrote, I believe, a story or a song in regards to this, but it was based on this story that this young girl was, would find herself just hiding away. She would hide and, and stay in her bedroom. She would do whatever she could. They, she didn't know Jesus. She, her parents did not raise her in the church. All she knew, though, was as she was going through these times that she could hide away, and there was just something that was comforting her. And as she went to a new family, and they began to teach her about the love of Christ... 
she saw a picture of Jesus as she was reading scripture and she said I already know this person he's the one who comforted me when I was hiding under my bed he was the one who was protecting me when I was afraid my mom and dad were going to hit me again he was right there Jesus weeps right there with you then Jesus came to this tomb roll that stone away Are you going to be an active, believing participant in the miracle that can happen in your life, in your heart? Some will say, I don't want to expose the dead part of my heart. It stinks. It isn't pretty. But Jesus is asking you, will you just open it back up? That Lazarus in your life, because Jesus wants to bring life to that dead situation. I'd like to ask our worship team to come forward. And I want you to know that I, I don't know about anybody else here, but I have experienced the fact that Jesus is in the life-giving business. And, and I thought, oh, you know what? When I become a Christian, it's just going to happen once and everything's going to be fine. But you know what? Sometimes not everything feels fine. And life still happens in the midst of it all. But I want to tell you, when life is happening, and when it seems like Jesus just isn't showing up, he is still Lord of that situation. He is still God of the outcome. And here's what you need to understand, is that it's not our job to have God answer to us. We answer to God. Have we been moving in trust and obedience even when it doesn't make sense? Today, as as the music begins, I I just want to ask you if God is tugging on your heart, you can come here to the, the altar because I don't care who you are. You have a last word. I don't care what people think. Don't, and you shouldn't care what people think either. There's always going to be people who are going to say, you're not good enough. There's always going to be people say, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that. I knew there was a problem in their, their life. It doesn't matter. You know who I have an audience of? Even though I don't know how many people there are here, I have an audience of one, and that's Jesus Christ, because I don't answer to any of you. I answer to him, and it's the same for you. You have to answer to Jesus. In the end of it all, you answer to him. And today it's good practice because we get to kneel just like that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Let's practice today about that. Let's practice today. Yeah, right now. That's right. Even now. Because even now, even though you're holding on maybe by just your fingernails, God is still the Lord of the situation that is your Lazarus. Let's sing together and you are welcome to come forward.
inside of you is not of Jesus and sometimes even good and well-meaning people can do things and say things that are pouring things into you that are not of Jesus you need to seek Jesus out just like Mary and Martha 
You need to be looking in the distance. When is he coming? You need right now to just place right in the before him. Lord, here's how I feel. I'm struggling, but I'm rolling the stone away. Will you bring some life into this dead situation inside of me? Uh, we've been there. I want you to know as your pastor, I've, I've just sensed uh, just since I, not long after I got here, just situations. I, I mean, I wasn't even a month here. And somebody in my backyard of the parsonage, I, I saw her back there and they had drawn a pentagram about as big around as that circle. I went out and they took off and I tell you what, there's been things where I've realized Satan is trying to come against us. But you know, even though at times I have to say it through tears, I'm thankful for that. Because here's what that means, is that God is on his way to Bethany. Do you understand? Uh, and when God is up to something good, you can count on the fact that Satan is up to something bad. And God is always good. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. And as we go, there's some here still just praying and, and having a time with Jesus. We can leave respectfully, give them some time here. But I want us to close in prayer. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, we, we just say, God, we acknowledge today that you are the Lord of our situations. Even last night, some people even here know Satan was trying to close this place down for this morning. But you showed up in the 11th hour. <laughs> and we thank you, God, for that. We thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to be here together. And today... We're asking you to show up once again in an area, maybe a situation, maybe a place that's been dead for years and years and years. Maybe it's something we've just buried and we just felt like well, we just are never going to go back there. But God, we're asking you today, will you take that part of my heart that I just pushed aside and pushed away? I want your sanctifying, holy, completely consuming power to flow through me. So you got to have this Lazarus too, Lord turn it into something good. We thank you, God, for this opportunity this morning. We thank you, God, in advance for all the victories to come as well as all the victories that there have been. We praise you, God, for the direction that you are leading us in. And we pray, God, that you will give us the strength to move the stone away no matter how many times we see it or we discover a new one. We pray these things in your mighty, powerful, all-knowing name. And together we say, amen. Amen. It's been good worshiping with the Lord. Amen. God bless you. I'm so glad you're here today. Go in God's peace and in his love. You are dismissed. And if you'd like to speak with me, by the way, I'll be up here up front if you'd like to talk.
cage was made of stone But I know you live inside my heart I know that it's your home And I've seen you in a sunset And in the eyes of a stranger on the street That's who you are to me You're amazing, faithful Love's open door when I'm empty You fill me with hunger for more Of your mercy, your goodness Lord, you're the air that I breathe That's who you are to me Who you are to me Sometimes I have my doubts I'm sure that everybody does And I wonder when I stumble Am I still worthy of your love? But I know that I get strong I'm talking to you down on my knees You're everything I need You're amazing, faithful Love's open door when I'm empty You fill me with hunger for more Of your mercy, your goodness Lord, you're the air that I breathe start on the outside the outside looking in this is where grace begins we were hungry we were thirsty with nothing left to give oh the shape that we were in 